2021. Were you a good year? No, not really. But we're still saying goodbye to you anyway. It's the 2021 Mario Awards! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. My name is Drew, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Miles. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. I mean, it's still holiday times here in the Nerd Cave, uh, so I'm kind of basking in, in all of that. And it's always weird kind of thinking about the the stuff you liked from the prior year, because almost every single time I've I've come up with categories or or named something my favorite or had a list of things, there's usually about five or six things from the first four months of the year that I have always forgotten. <laughs> almost yes. every single time I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. One hundred percent. Definitely something that has happened to me. Um, but uh you know, it's it's funny looking back on this. I know that there's definitely stuff that I have have not thought about. And I know a lot of the list is going to skew towards the end of the year. Like, oh, yeah, July and later, because uh, this year has been so long that. Golly, stuff happened in March that I forgot happened in March. You know, it's been and, and with the pandemic going on, time has no meaning anymore anyway. Uh, and also a couple of things that I'm listing right now didn't actually happen in 2021, but they happened to me in 2021. So that's, uh, you know, it's all loosey goosey kind of stuff. Well, I mean, some of the things you have listed, you know, had additions to it in 2021. So you can you can kind of skate by on that. Yeah. So let's get started uh, with the Mori Awards. So if you guys don't know, we give out awards every year to stuff that we like. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, it's just stuff we like. And let's start off. Miles, will you yeah. tell us the first Mori? So the first Mori is going to go to something that I think everyone can relate to. It's something that for a lot of people, it kind of caught them off guard completely. And the uh, for me, especially because the the person behind this is someone who not that I thought they were untalented, but that I didn't always pay attention to uh, in terms of their their comedy specials. And so the laughing while crying award goes to Bo Burnham for Inside. This was something special. I also yes. was not a Bo Burnham person. I could always recognize that the guy had a tremendous amount of talent, huge amount of talent. But he always yeah. just pushed that pushed that button of one step further, one step further into the like, I'm saying this because it's offensive, not because. It, and that's the funny part. Not that what I'm saying is actually funny. And 
I, I don't he know. seemed to kind of get over that somewhat quickly. He did have, still have a lot of, you know, envelope pushing stuff in some of his songs, but like his his country music hit song, uh, I thought was pretty freaking funny. But yes, he and, and in fact, in this special, he admits that's what he used to do. Um, I had really kind of turned on to him because of his film work with uh, writing and directing eighth grade and then being the supporting character in Promising Young Woman. And I mean, the dude is just extremely talented, but inside was something really, really special Uh, in a year where you had a lot of comedy specials kind of being incendiary. This one felt like it was in the trenches with you. I, 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 for me, especially I hadn't connected so much to something like this in a very, very long time. And I mean, I, this, this ended up on my Spotify unwrapped. I listened to the soundtrack so many times and it's, it's incredibly, incredibly funny. Like that, that more than anything, more than just being a interesting commentary on the, the pandemic times or making some great satire. It's just funny. And the songs are catchy. The guy has a penchant for writing a show tune. And like, it's not just like you're getting an old, like Adam Sandler or Stephen Lynch record. This, this sounds like, you know, yeah, part comedy album, but part Avenue Q. They're not, they're not live performances they are like recorded and produced content it's not you know it, it, it's not that he hasn't done live performances before it's just and, and the, the subjects that he gets into some of which are very moving some of which oh. are a little difficult like the whole thing there's a, a large focus on on, on age and and you know, mm-hmm. the concept of getting old, especially as uh, the particular thing that you and I have both experienced almost a decade ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that is is very kind of kind of kind of telling and and very interesting to see from that perspective. I think it's definitely worth a watch worth a listen. The the welcome to the Internet song is the one that got a lot of play. And while it's very good, I think the breakout hit for me is White Woman's Instagram. Uh, oh, that is 100 percent like and I think the other songs got more attention as the popularity of Inside grew and grew. Um, White Woman's Instagram is a masterclass in how to punch up or at least laterally, but not maliciously. And yeah. I think that's something that he he treads so well in that song. And in fact, in the bridge of the song, changes it from comedy to being legitimate, like a, a, a legitimate emotional bridge. And it, it shifts the entire course of the song and how you read it, because then you realize, OK, he's not just making fun of someone. He's also like. I don't know, just kind of getting into the mindset. It's it's really, really fascinating. But there's this whole whole bit where he you feel like he's kind of lightly razzing on on the subject matter. And then he he makes a song version of a lengthy post about um, eulogizing a long past parent. And the way he does it is so sincere that it, it breaks the comedic rhythm of the song in the best way and turns it into a legitimately emotional moment. Yes. And 100%. it gives me every time. 100%. It is a great one. Uh, and that is the first Mori Award. Congratulations, Bo Burnham. 
Your, yeah, your uh, your trophies in the mail. Uh, I know you're you're waiting on bated breath, but uh, Drew, we've got a lot more mores to go to this evening. What's what's one of yours? Oh, let's get into uh, into to one. Uh, the do not fear because Denny Villeneuve is here. Award goes to Dune. Dune. Yes. Part Dune. one. Part one. Part one. Part one. <laughs> Asterisk. Part one. This movie. I was so concerned about not doing well because <sighs> Denis Villeneuve is an excellent science fiction director. He has he's done. Uh, I, you can half and half on enemy, but he's done which enemy is a great film. I'm, I'm just how you read it uh, is is up to you. But Arrival, Blade Runner 2049 and and now Dune, the, the man knows how to to make a great science fiction film on on such an epic scale and make it feel big a lot of a lot of 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 directors can get character or story or look feel and and villeneuve gets all three of those and 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 so much more he he, the the dude is is an absolute master at the craft and Mm -hmm. i cannot wait to see what he does next well, what he says next is Dune Part Two, which I'm very excited right. for. But, yeah, you're uh, not gonna have to wait too long. Uh. <laughs> but but uh, and and beyond that, I have to say Timothy Chalamet again. Like Timothy Chalamet is one of those dudes that I want to find any rationale to dislike him because he's handsome and he's talented. But he also just seems like a good Do dude. Do not understand you at all sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's jealousy. It's all jealousy. But uh, uh but I, I love Timothy Chalamet and and uh, I love him in in the role as Paul. I, I think he's of the Pauls that I have seen in films before and the, the old Sci-Fi Channel uh, miniseries. I think he he gets it. Um, I, I just the rest of the cast as they fill out. You know, you get Stellar Skateboard in there. Uh, as as Baron Harkonnen in this really kind of dark oh, I hate you sometimes twisted <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård excuse me did I say it again oh, yes buddy. you did ooh oof um anyway uh Dune it's it just you it, it is how long is it was it three hours long Dune, I, it's close. I want to say it's like one fifty-five or something. Let me double check on that. Um, Dune is stalling uh, one hundred fifty-six minutes, so it's two so minutes just, off, just under um, two hours. So, yeah, just under three hours. Oh, just under three, yeah, because because the minute because because hours are uh, sixty minutes, not a hundred minutes, true. Um, but but I say that to to say it doesn't feel three hours long. No, it it, it doesn't, and that's that's a big ask. Well. Um, you also have just a tremendous cast, some of whom you'll see probably more so in the the second film, like Zendaya, who is just an incredible actress. I I can't say enough great things about Zendaya. The way that girl emotes and just effortlessly especially going from something like uh euphoria to mj and spider-man to to this i mean yes that's that's what you'd ask of any good actress but the way that she just becomes these characters and and automatically makes you just feel for them is an incredible um 
I want to say just a naturalistic gift that few actors have. And she just has it. Yes, she's got it. She's whatever it is. She has it in spades. It is. She's she's amazing. And I can't wait to see more of her. You will hear her name come up on this list later on in the episode. <laughs> yes. Um. And, and talking about people who are able to really transform into other roles very seamlessly, even when you wouldn't always think about it like off the top of your head. But then as soon as you start kind of sitting down and going through your head about how much this person has done, you're like, yeah, they, they really can sort of do everything. But you're still surprised regardless. And this is the nobody saw this coming award for nobody. The. 2021 action films, a film starring uh, Bob Odenkirk, who it's basically a and I hate using this because it feels so kind of progressive, but it's a John Wick like film. It's the easiest shorthand to kind of give you an idea. He is seemingly an average dude who has settled into this kind of boring lifestyle. His wife's kind of uh sick of him everyone kind of sees him as this loser that you can walk all over and then one day the wrong people and in this case i think they are russian mobsters uh <laughs> just as in john wick uh, cross Bro. him and it turns into this just incredible and very fun action film uh own kirk plays plays the whole role very very straight and he's a, he's an excellent actor. If you've watched him in, in Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, you know this. But to really see him kind of go above just being a comedy guy and legit make you believe that he could beat the crap out of somebody convincingly. Yeah, it's 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 just a great, great freaking movie. It it does make you laugh because sometimes you realize you know, Bob Odenkirk is doing this. And some of the things are set up to be purposefully funny. There are some, are some characters who are played by, I wouldn't necessarily call them cameos, but by well-known actors playing a small supporting role that elevate the film. And <laughs> if you haven't seen it, don't watch a trailer. If, if a John Wick like movie starring Bob Odenkirk giving one of his best performances sounds like fun to you, run don't walk to your tv and download it <laughs> <laughs> well i want to dip into to a quick video game run i got a few awards here in the video game category uh first award is the i spent how much time playing this award goes to bravely default 2 on the nintendo switch bravely default 2 sequel to bravely default uh which is an old 3ds game it's a, a turn-based rpg from square enix and uh, I'm going to be honest, gang, not that compelling of a game. It's not that story wise, you know, whatever uh, mechanics wise. It's a, a bit better with with the interesting job system that you have. But the only reason to bring it up is because according to Nintendo, that's the game I spent the most of my time on uh, on the Switch this year uh, at almost. Yeah, Nintendo tried to do a uh, has tried, I think, for a couple years now to do their, uh, a version of Spotify Unwrapped. And I never feel like it's accurate at all. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it probably is is more accurate than than you expect. I know that uh, that our friend Mike, uh, his was he got a lot of menu time uh, in some games that that skewed those numbers a good bit. 
Um, next up, another Switch game, the aged like Lon Lon Milk Award goes to The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD uh, for also on the Nintendo Switch. Listen, Skyward Sword's a fine game. It's not the best Zelda game. I still spent too much time playing it. More time than I hey, should have. I do have to kind of say, I feel like this, you can't quite say aged like Lon Lon Milk because I feel like the impressions of this game has never been super hot. And I will I will give it credit. The the motion controls work way better with the switch than they ever did with the Joy-Cons than they ever did with with the Wii Mote Plus that you had to have. Uh, and at a, but at a certain point, I switched to the con, the the handheld controls, the control stick controls, and it worked way better. It felt way better. And uh, I still don't love that game. Um but I spent too much time playing it from start to finish. And I felt like it deserved a spot on this list for that reason. Speaking of games that I spent a lot of time playing, the lovable idiot award goes to Yakuza like a dragon. This is a 2020 release that actually got its PlayStation five and Xbox series X upgrades. Uh, and, and uh, I played this. You were, just, the- you were just using that technicality all you can. <laughs> hey man. Uh, it's 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 all good yakuza unlike the past yakuza games which were street brawlers yakuza like a dragon is a turn-based rpg uh and it is just tremendous <laughs> um the it has a brand new main character that that takes over and he is just the most lovable idiot you've ever met and i i love this game so much when you're walking around the street and you get accosted by a bunch of dudes and they turn into like everyday street fantasy <laughs> versions of characters like instead of a sword they're holding an umbrella and trying to hit you with the it's it's wonderful uh, it is currently on xbox game pass at the time of of uh this recording uh which is uh gonna lead us into the next uh the next award the bargain well, I, at oh sorry well I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because uh, the yakuza franchise on a whole has a specific brand of weird that it loves to go down and i think it's always it's always really really fun to interact with that so the fact that they kind of leaned into that whole hog for an entire game sounds like a lot of fun i've been slowly going through yakuza zero and have kind of wanted to go through the franchise proper um, even though I was very, very interested in playing like a dragon, because I know it's a separate, not unrelated, but it's it's not it, part of the the saga. It is. It, it, it is. It it tags on to things in the main saga. Uh, yeah, because I know I know like Kiryu's in the game and stuff like that, but that's a spoiler. Um, but yes, uh, I don't think it is. I mean, he's it's a it's. It's a thing, but it, it, it does. It does take story elements that happened in pre- previous Yakuza games that I had sure. no idea about because I went from Yakuza zero to straight to like a dragon, but Yak- like a dragon, brand new protagonist, brand new area, brand new story. It does not rely on six games of backstory, seven games of backstory to to really get into. Well, and and to be fair, the each yap of the game can stand on its own, but it has built itself quite a a massive saga. Yeah. Um, 
and I know that you want to segue into <laughs> your uh, a bargain at twice the price award. Xbox Game Pass, a bargain at twice the price. This is I, I people have talked about Game Pass for at least a year now. Has it been two years that Game Pass has really been been what it is? I honestly don't know because I look, this is going to sound really stupid of me um because so uh to answer your question game pass launched in 2017 um as far as as it is i that i'm not sure it's probably been about a year or two both drew and i are sony boys at heart in terms of of this console big two that said Microsoft has showed up when it comes to figuring out the digital landscape for a subscription service, as well as game preservation, where you can pretty much buy any title that's been released for Xbox for the most part. And that is oddly not something that Sony and Nintendo can say. Yeah, Nintendo barely tries they put just enough effort to tell to for them to say it's on our radar sony we'll see what happens in 2022 but so far they do not care about backwards compatibility and or or, and game preservation on a whole yes that that is by large true but ps now does have a library of older games. It's not a satisfying library, but they do have <laughs> some stuff. Um, well, yeah, we're. I think they said this spring they're going to basically kind of revamp how how their their subscription service goes. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. It, but it, it's, uh, I th- believe the project name is rumored to be Project Spartacus, uh, and we will see whether that turns into anything. But in the meantime. Game Pass is here. Game yeah. Pass is a deal. And I played a bunch of games on it. I played Yakuza Like a Dragon on Game Pass. And I played the next award, the I can't believe it's not Destiny Award, Halo Infinite. So I I am a little curious. I, I know you probably won't just want to bring <laughs> this one up because it's a, re, a a brand new game that you just are, are, are in the middle of playing. Yeah, I played it most of the afternoon today, <laughs> but I, I, I actually finished the campaign today. Um, does it deserve an award? <laughs> Honestly, I, I mean, I know you. Well, we talked off air about this. Honestly, I. I knew Halo Infinite was coming out because of Game Pass. I knew that, you know, the Master Chief Collection, all the previous Halo games were on there. And I decided to try to go through some of them back in the day. I played Halo one. I played Halo two. I played Halo three. I played ODST. I never played Halo reach. I never played Halo four. I never played Halo five. So I I did skip reach because it was a prequel, but I tried to play through all of Halo four and that game was not very good. And I started playing Halo five and I just isn't one called Guardians. Halo Five Guardians, yes. Halo yeah. Five Guardians. Uh, uh, Someone ha- should be fired for that. <laughs> Halo Five, I could barely get into because not that it, it actually played better than Halo Four, 
but because Halo 4 was a 360 game and Halo 5 was an Xbox One game. But there was so much story nonsense that I just didn't like it, it. It's like you needed to read 12 novels between Halo 4 and Halo 5 to understand what was going on in the universe. And there are characters that were there that were from Master Chief's backstory. But anyway, to make a long story short, Halo Infinite has sort of it hasn't hit the reset button but it's refocused everything on what people really like about Halo. And I have to say the open world aspect of it is really nice. It's really fun. And the grappling hook that Master Chief gets that finally gives the dude some mobility. It's 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 fun. The the gunplay is good. There's a large number of weapons. There are specialty weapons that you can get from doing stuff in the, in the open world there it's funny there's a lot of humor in the game in in the background i'm i'm really really enjoying it do i think that it plays as well as destiny no i don't oh absolutely not no but but do i think that it is the best playing halo game yes i do by that's not a big ask by a wide margin And, and it and but but again all of this is possible the only reason I'm playing this game is because I did not have to spend $70 on it. It is oh, on. If, it, if this is, wasn't on Game Pass, I never would have pressed play. It is on my Xbox because of Game Pass. And that it, and, and I, I don't know how much, if any, Microsoft is losing on Game Pass. But even me, a tried and true Sony PlayStation fanboy, you can see two PlayStations right behind me on my camera. <laughs> I have another one hooked up on the desk in front of me. There's another one in the room right there. It, I I really, really like Game Pass. I, I do, too. I wonder I, if it is the future of video games. I mean, they're, they're in some aspect. I'm sure it will be. Uh, what's interesting to me about halo infinite is that yeah it kind of refocuses itself even though it's 343 had has tried over the last decade really really hard to give and and it's not that it wasn't there there were novels for halo and so like that but there has been some real far-reaching lore stuff that's happened in the last few years where i feel there's a little a little envy with how much love it, despite that it's sometimes hard to see when you're when you're deep in in the fandom uh bungie gets for all the lore it does with destiny and i i will say i played this game i thought it was a perfectly fine game uh it was fun enough it does not feel good as good as destiny there's a certain intuitiveness and fluidity in the controls that destiny has that the halo just doesn't uh that said, yeah, it's a it's a fun enough game. Uh, I think the grappling hook is a great addition to the FPS. I don't know if he's had that before or not, but no, I don't believe so. No, it, that was a game changer for me. That that was by and large what saved the game for me. <laughs> I, I I find uh, Spartan one seventeen or John to be a completely unlikable character that i do not care about uh and you know the the halo story is 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 fine i this this definitely feels like it feels like vanilla destiny in a way where it's like okay we get we get part of the story but like i don't even feel like this is a 
a complete entry because well, you and, get kind of you, and, the narrative goes to a certain point and then kind of it's almost like they didn't have the confidence to tell a complete story. Well, and it might not be the the full experience. One, this game right. was pushed and, and back. That's in, fair. One, this game was pushed back an entire year because of the pandemic. But two, this is supposed to be the platform for the next ten years of Halo. What's to say that the next like Halo Infinite is? Yes. And what's okay. to say? What's so so they, what, they're, 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 they are copying Bungie's playbook. <laughs> yeah. What's to say that that there's just not another, you know, story expansion that comes out because of Game Pass in a year that just adds a whole new section of the map with maybe a new biome, maybe instead of a little foresty area, maybe it's a desert area. Maybe it's a, a winter snowy area that all this stuff that you can do because why not? You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to, to stick to destiny myself. Uh, there wasn't anything <laughs> really in the world of destiny that came out this year other than a couple of seasons, uh, obviously because of the pandemic affecting the development of the witch queen and, and everything. But uh, this year I didn't play. I mean, outside of the stuff that I have been playing on game pass. And even that is a, a lot of catch up. You know, I played, you know, uh, last of us part two and stuff of that I, ha I hadn't got to play in 2020. So there was a lot of catch up for me this year. So a lot of the 2021 games that I played were, were mostly indies or small studios. I think the only AAA title that I purchased off the top of my head was Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village, which was fine. Um, so I, I want to give a shout out to a couple of, of indie games, because in terms of purchasing games, a lot of times that's what I'm I'm going for. A lot of them tend to be you know not $60 and really, really interesting in terms of aesthetic and gameplay. A lot of them also and end so, up on Game Pass. Just saying. Some of them do, some of them don't. These two that I'm about to talk to, about talk about, are. <laughs> uh, so the Unsung Heroes Award are for uh, two indie games. One is called Unsighted, which is a great marriage of uh, your Metroidvania, Mega Man X, and uh, Link to the Past. Or Link's Awakening, really. Hmm. There is this beautiful marriage for the the action platformer RPG that they this it was, I think it's a it's a two person team from Brazil. It's two trans developers, uh, Studio Pixel Punk, and slowly but surely, people started kind of picking up on this game, and it. It is not perfect, but the stuff that they were able to pull off, especially given a two-person team, is incredible. Uh, there's a lot of great intuitive design choices. The gameplay is pretty pretty seamless, and I mean, my only complaint is I wish it, there was I think I wish it was a little denser. I I wish there was a little bit more enemy variety, but that's usually my complaint about most of these types of games that said i think the story is incredible it takes place in this kind of post-apocalyptic world where uh sentient androids have been battling with humans for for a long time and you are playing some of one of the androids uh unfortunately because there's this battle for a a power source uh, and it's so scarce a lot of androids are running out and they they end up turning 
they kind of lose all their facilities and they just become feral creatures. And so you're kind of going against the clock to, uh, so any, any, anyone you can interact with could potentially, you know, do this. Yeah. You know, you are able to, to, purchase certain things or find certain things to to help people or you can turn this option off the developers graciously said hey if you just want to like not deal with the anxiety of a of a running clock you don't have to which is what i did because i don't handle those situations very well i love that you can turn that off because i saw that i was interested in picking up this game but i saw that there was a time mechanic to it and it's like um don't want that yeah, and I, I I did the same thing. I thought I was I was only going to play about for about fifteen minutes, but the game even pops up and says, "Hey, you can turn this off." And so the very first thing I did was turn that off. Yeah, I'm about ready um, to do that. I will. I might install that onto my Xbox when I go upstairs. <laughs> the the next one is by uh, Team Ladybug, and it's Record of Lotus War: Deedlit in Wonder Labyrinth. I know absolutely nothing about record of lotus war other than it is a very popular or at least was a popular fantasy uh japanese franchise i didn't even know it was a franchise honestly i I know there have been games i know there's been anime and i know there's been manga i have seen zero i've not i've not read or seen any of it so i remember record of lotus war used to come on saturday anime on the sci-fi channel in the 90s and i never watched it then because it did not interest me because it was not science fiction so, uh, you know, maybe as if anime comes in, <laughs> maybe we'll... yeah, I would be interested in visiting it because from what I've heard, it's kind of there, they're inspired by D and D interesting, uh, back in the day. And so I, I haven't read or seen anything, but this game pop came out around, uh, December, I think. No, it came. I think it came out uh, on the Switch in December. It came out on Steam and stuff in March. This is a, a a a classic Metroidvania, very much in the vein of Symphony of the Night. But unlike Bloodstained, it really just gets it. The game is like the best up-resed SNES game that you never played. <laughs> it's it's smooth. It actually improves on the systems. It, it does some different things with the format uh, in terms of gameplay that make it really interesting. It it does suffer a little bit from, you know, design placement and stuff that some of these games can have a problem with. But for the most part, it's a real pleasure to play. It's an absolutely beautiful game and with a killer, killer soundtrack. I don't necessarily know what is going on narratively. My biggest problem with a lot of these Metrovanias is the narrative is always pretty light. And I'd like to see some games kind of take steps to move this forward. But this team, I don't care if I don't know what's going on. I've played Metroid. I've played Castlevania games. I know what to do. And honestly, it's that good. It is so much fun. (laughs) It's on Game Pass right now. And if you like that kind of game, if you want something that looks like your PS1 era Symphony of the Night, but different, that's this game. It is an absolute blast. Nice. Nice. Um, I'm going to add a quick award to the list. The Gave Up at the Last Boss Award goes to Metroid Dread. A very fun game, <laughs> but uh, uh, one that I, I got to the final boss and another game was out that I wanted to play. And 
I realized, well, I guess I'm never going to finish this and I haven't gone back, but it was very fun while I played it and very frustrating. But you know what? I got to the final boss. Didn't beat it, but I got to it. Um, beyond, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> beyond that, as we round out our video game section, uh, we've got uh, a couple of a couple of awards for Square Enix titles. The Yes, she is the best character award goes to Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade Episode Intermission, which is the... Is Quistus in Final Fantasy VII now? I will whip you so badly for that. Um, is it Quistus? I always said Keistus. It could be. Because there's no voice version in any of these, we'll never know. <laughs> is she in Dissidia where, where they'd say her name out loud? We'll, we'll, this is an uh, investigation. She might be. I've, I've actually never played uh, a Dissidia <laughs> outside of the PSP games. I've never played them either, but they're on sale on on uh, the Sony sale right now as we're speaking. I was like, oh, I wonder if I'll pick up the Dissidia games. I'd never play it. Anyway, uh, FF7 Remake Integrate Episode Intermission is a long title for just to simply say this is the Yuffie DLC for the ff7 remake it is a brand new story a story that was not in the original final fantasy 7 at all it is what yuffie is doing in the world of final fantasy 7 before she meets up with the with the crew outside of midgar and i love yuffie the character uh she's my favorite character in that game um and i loved this uh they brought her to life spectacularly she is extremely fun to play um well worth the time in my opinion uh especially i would say the first part's a little weird story wise but as you the story gets into it you you really you you fall in love all over again it's fantastic uh and uh and well worth the i think it's like 20 bucks i think it's on sale right now too so you know if you have final fantasy 7 remake it is only on the ps5 which is part of the struggle if you have a PS4, you can't play it yet. Um, yeah, I need to I need to re-download seven so on my PS5 so that I can play it. I I have I haven't for some reason I thought there was gonna be more moving pieces involved and I hadn't I didn't want to go back and replay the entire game. Uh, oh, oh the the save transfer process is um what's the word? stupid it's really stupid yeah i i've i've heard <laughs> you have to have the ps4 version on your ps5 updated to upload your save file one at a time not all of the saves one at a time saves up to the up to whatever their server is download the ps5 version download the save and then it works and it's like okay cool um the only reason it was easy for me is because i already had the ps4 version installed at the time you know whatever it it sucks, but uh, Yuffie's great. And uh, and yeah, moving on to I think this might be the last uh, video game award we've got the after all these years, all these years. Finally, they finally got me award goes to Final Fantasy 14. Yes, uh, this was a series of dominoes, I guess, set up by me. Um, you were amongst a large our part friends, of it. yes. 
and it was so funny. I convinced everyone to play, and then I stopped playing for a little bit. Yeah, what the um, heck? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we so, all stopped. Uh, play, we all stopped playing the second we couldn't easily log into the game. But that's a whole other well, story. <laughs> I mean, that's that. Heck, we go through that in Destiny too. And, and I, it's so funny seeing people get upset about this, as if it hasn't been a recurring thing in MMOs for the last twenty-two years. You say that, but this is exceptionally bad it's like i would have cues playing wow at expansion times but yeah. my my cues might be 200 people deep maybe launch day i'd hit 1500 but later <sighs> that but later that week i don't know we had some dark times in some of those destiny expansions i don't remember i don't remember ever having a queue oh i do expansion so i, I don't do. know well so sometimes you didn't always pl- try to play until a little bit later um I remember specifically uh, taking King being real bad. I remember there just being bugs that would kick you out of the game because that still happens. Destiny. Thank you. But but when when you're talking with FF14, what when I started playing FF14, not the week of a of an expansion drop of several weeks before there were queues of like 30 people before you get in. creating characters on the same server was almost impossible Uh, i don't even want to get into that (laughs) despite all of that i have now a level 50 character actually it's level 52 but i'm kind of all in like level 25 (laughs) yeah i'm i'm kind of all in in the game uh i i playing a white mage um although i haven't played in a week and a half really because again i you can't like even now a couple of weeks after the the launch of the new endwalker expansion queues are 1500 people deep at peak times and it's it's just i don't want to spend two hours waiting to get into a game every night so i choose to play something else which is a shame part of it is that the game is extremely popular right now because of a number of reasons that i don't want to get yeah. into all of the reasons but I the mean, other part this- but the other part is that because of the chip shortage with the pandemic they just can't get servers to bolster their well, their hardware they yeah but i mean you got to give the developers credit this this game has been the little engine that could. And from its disastrous initial uh, launch to A Realm Reborn, and then the major expansions sort of giving weight to it, it's every single time one has come out, there has been a little bit more of a push behind it. And it seems more and more now, especially with so many people leaving uh, games made by Activision Blizzard for reasons that we're not going to get into Hmm. um this game has yeah it's it's stood against the storm i mean this this game has and it's good if you like like pc mmos it's a excellent game with a final fantasy flavor and because of that final fantasy flavor you do it's a slow start I don't mind it because it's such a gorgeous setting and I mean everything is so charming that I don't mind the slow start of of rum uh, I guess vanilla realm reborn but yeah I mean there are there are plenty of of different types of MMOs but in terms of the the big guns you know Final Fantasy 14 has kind of risen to the top 
Um, and honestly, if you if you had told me this would happen about five years ago, I would have never thought it possible. And this game is when did if, is this game 10 years old now? I, I don't I don't uh, honestly no, know. It's it's uh, I think it's eight years old this year. Initial release date was September 30th, 2010. Realm Reborn might be eight years old, but. Um, that's, that's absolutely wild. <laughs> that this game. Wait, did it get released in 2010? I don't see that anywhere. I'm looking on I Wikipedia. I keep seeing 2013. Wikipedia says 2010. Hmm. Because. Oh, OK. Yes. Uh, I so this game basically languished for a couple of years after the initial release. So it, I mean, yes, it is it is eleven years old, but I would really count it starting with a Roma board. Yeah, I will say okay. Yeah, so Wikipedia actually has the 2010 video game, and the, the main Final Fantasy 14 is a different a different beast. Um, but yeah. I I'm kind of yeah. into it. You, you even looking at the art of the the initial Final Fantasy 14, you're like, what is this game? Oh, it looks it looks bad. It looks it looks bad and sad. Whereas a Rumble Born looks like a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. And I have uh once I get my gunbreaker unlocked, I have a I have a gunblade. I have Squall's Lionheart gun well, actually it's not his Lionheart gunblade, it's his uh original gunblade uh that I can That's cool. I should I should have played a swords a swordsman because I'm I'm playing a, a, a archer. <laughs> well, the 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 gunblade people are tanks, and so it's it's not like I would not have expected that they'd be tanks. But you know, anyway, we could do a whole episode on FF14 and our experiences with it. Uh, just to say that uh, it's I'm, great. I'm into it, and uh, I do believe that is going to wrap up all of the video game mores we have uh, this year, uh, Miles. Take yeah. it away. What what award is next? So I don't think there's a lot that we're going to do with uh, comics uh, this year. The pandemic has been kind of hard for comic reading for me. I definitely don't yeah. go to the stores often. I still buy more digitally. And I was a person who would go to the store. That said, I do my still do my fair share. And I don't even have a fancy title for this one. It's just the best comic of the year for me. And it's not some indie title this time. It's Nightwing. Hey, Nightwing in, in its current iteration is the best. This character has been written, drawn and treated in about 15 years. Dang. It is one of the best runs for the character right now. Uh, and I. <sighs> I can't even begin to tell you how refreshing it was to like when I first read this title. I think maybe it was Kelly Thompson. I'm not sure, but I saw a lot of like hyper, hyper excited chatter going on when this first came out. And I feel like it was issue. I want to say 78 is when this run started. Uh, yeah, 78 uh, by uh, Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. And this is how superhero comics should be done. Um, the artwork is kinetic and exciting. It reminds me a lot of, honestly, Kelly Thompson's uh, Hawkeye book, 
where the artwork was all these massive set pieces that were being moved around and, and these inventive ways of, of sequentially telling the story on the page, but also make cool art. And this book does that. It also does some stuff with the characters that I feel like since the new 52 hasn't really been done. So some of the, the bat family that you, that you love, especially Tim Drake and Barbara Gordon are very much feeling like how they were prior to 2011 when they relaunched it and everything was a little too aggro. This, even with uh, it went, when Stephanie and Cass pop in for a little bit, it just it feels like how the Bat family should be written. Dick Grayson feels like a character that is actually progressing and is taking the ideas of his mentor and putting them to better use. And I am really excited to see where the story goes. Um, Dick Grayson's a character I've always liked, but this book has really helped solidify him into a character that I really love. And it's important to note some of the the the, the setup changes to this. Uh, you know, it made news earlier this year that Batman was cut off from his money. Um, I don't know how close they're sticking to that with the Batman comics because I am behind on everything, but. In the meantime, there was also uh, an issue where Batman's butler slash father figure, Alfred, was killed. Um, this the this Nightwing book takes. Takes place, you know, after that event happened, where we learned that Alfred had a lot of money <laughs> and he and he bequeathed it all to Dick upon his death. So what does yes. what does Nightwing do uh, in the the town of Bloodhaven uh, at, with that with all of that money uh, in in a way that, you know, maybe his his mentor Batman never could. Uh, and that is 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 an interesting side of, of, of things. I am way behind on that book. I'm excited to read it. I'm excited to read the issue that came out last week because it is a an issue where every page is fits together in a big yeah like panel you could cut the book apart and have an entire like wall of of one contiguous piece of art and that's just that's so cool that's so cool oh. it's 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 really incredible i'm a big 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 fan and i Oh man, I just I haven't been this excited about a superhero book in a while. Like I still read a, a number of them and and enjoy you know most of them, and I still read the Power Ranger books, and they're still excellent. But this one is just such a like for me. This is going to be a benchmark, depending on if they stick the narrative landing. A benchmark uh, moment in Nightwing's character history, and. It's which is good because uh, he he needs he needs more more good stuff, uh, especially that's not written by a couple of comic skaters. So because <laughs> unfortunately, the people who used to write for Nightwing for a long time uh, sort of lost their minds in the last 10 years. Yikes, which is a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, not naming names, but uh, a quick Google search will help you out. Uh, but yeah, Night Nightwing, excellent book. Make you feel good. I highly recommend picking it up. The first volume, Leaping Into the Light, is available in hardcover. 
Um, and it's not a super, super expensive one. I think it's $17.99. So I, I highly recommend getting that one. All right. Well, you know, Miles, we've been talking about comic books. We're going to talk about, let's, let's dip into some comic book related media. All right. Because we have a lot of that coming out this year, baby. And even more coming out next year. Even more coming out next year. Let's jump off with the very first of our comic book related media category. The four hours later award goes to Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Should I just not talk for the next little bit? You, you know, we're not going to talk too much about this. Um, I will say <laughs> I will say what I said about the Batman v Superman extended editions. Uh, that the extra 30 minutes of that movie made the movie a lot better. Um, it made it make sense and it should have been the movie that released in theaters. And while I don't know that a four hour plus run of justice league would have played in theaters, it's a lot better than the, than the weed justice league to me. Uh, I know miles has different opinions on that. Um, I, uh, I liked it a lot. Um, maybe it's because it came out in the middle of a pandemic when we had nothing to do. And so I, we were all starved for content. I don't know. I certainly haven't watched it again, but I will say, and it's not making me go out and, and, and post online about reboot the Snyder cut, bring back the, bring back the Snyder verse or any of that stuff. I'm not doing any of that, but I, I will say that uh, a lot of characters, namely cyborg and the flash, which got kind of short shrift in the, the theatrical races, cyborg actually has an arc and it's compelling. The flash has a huge moment uh, that, that really gives him his, his own uh, thing. And it is, it, it just works way, way, way better to me. Um, even outside. I'm happy of, you enjoyed it. Even outside of all the other, <laughs> outside of all the other weedness uh, to, to that, that is um, a whole thing. Um, next up to switch out to, <laughs> To switch out to to <laughs> another uh, another DC, uh, since we're in, we're in a DC mood here, let's do the the D- definite article award goes to the Suicide Squad. Oh man, this movie, Miles. This is a lot of fun. I I really I mean I I tend to like James Gunn's movies. I think what he did with everyone involved was pretty fantastic. The kind of movie within a movie with Harley Quinn <laughs> uh, was Tremendous. excellent. Tremendous. He's got a great handle on her character. Uh, even though I, I loved everything that was done in Birds of Prey, this it's, I mean, it's what you kind of wanted. <sighs> this is going to sound wrong because I love the Guardians movies, but it's James Gunn. He's an R-rated person. It always has been. So giving him the keys to the DC kingdom of, of wacky characters and, and being told, do what you want. And he absolutely does. <laughs> there are some moments in this movie where there there is a scene where where uh, the character of 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 Bloodshot and the character of Peacemaker, Idris Elba and and John Cena's characters uh, have come across this camp of of resistance fighters in the jungle that they (laughs) the brutality 
and comedy that happens in that scene is just ah oh, chef's kiss it is hilarious and it, it's yeah it, it it has the it has this wonderful balance of of just extreme dark humor and actual like character development and just oddity. we didn't do a spoiler cast on this one did we i don't think we did i don't remember if we did i can't remember i i feel like we i feel like we physically talked about this on something it's been a long maybe year, it was just i know <laughs> maybe maybe it was just after we recorded one episode but yeah th- i mean this movie was awesome i a lot of franchises uh kept carrying on and honestly this was the one prior to you know gun being announced that i i never expected to see let alone be excited about a second suicide squad movie and boy howdy did they pull this one off and not just that you're not you're not gonna have to wait very long if you're listening i I was i was i was leading up to that yeah (laughs) so james gunn had such a good time making this movie that in the middle of the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so as I don't know whether it was a writer's block exercise or what, he just decided I should make a peacemaker show. And he wrote an entire peacemaker TV series, which yeah, is going to be on HBO wild. Max in January. And I cannot wait. John Cena. Like, I, I, I know John Cena has done some action movie roles. I know he's done some comedies. I didn't see blockers, which I heard it was actually very good. I know he was in that that animated bull movie uh uh ferdinand uh, uh, it's a a a favorite in 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 our household uh krista is a massive fan of ferdinand uh, he's very funny in train wrecked as uh the initial boyfriend of um a- what's uh, her Tina name face character no Amy, no uh amy schumer Amy yeah and yeah he's he's got comedic chops i've seen a couple of things he's not always a, he's not always a whole he's not the rock he doesn't have that kind of charisma but he's close enough for for something like this and he does a great job in in suicide squad and what seems to be in peacemaker because james gunn clearly wrote this specifically for cena's set of skills yes and, and because and, and, of that it, it, it's it, it's excellent and and the the comedic moments that 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 cena gets oh just man i'm like this movie is coming back to hbo max in like a week i bought it because i wanted it's to on watch hbo max now i think is it on hbo max now i yeah. I, bu- I purchased it so that i could watch all the deleted scenes and extra content and things like that because it was just something special something special it was <laughs> and i mean I, i'm happy to say that there there is a lot of that going around in terms of comic book movies in terms of franchises and i mean we saw that with with uh with dune and i know you haven't seen this one but the back from the dead award and i'm going to preface this with i loved the prior movie that they they made in 2016 so i don't want anyone to to think otherwise but this goes to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, this is back in continuity with the first two films. Uh, and it's just excellent. It 
I can see the the beats being a little too long for some people. It takes a little while for the gears to really get going, but the characters are so well done. And then you have Paul Rudd, who was just being Paul Rudd, which is great. I mean, that's what was so good about the Ghostbusters initially was it, you had comedians being comedians. Um, I always feel like I have to put an asterisk when I talk about how much I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife because I really loved the 2016 movie as well. I really wish there was a way to continue to include those four women because they did a tremendous job. That movie's hilarious. I love it. But I also am equally excited to go back into the continuity of the original movies and I, I, I walked out of this movie. I walked into this movie not knowing exactly what to expect. I'd only seen one trailer. And both Chris and I walked out of this movie just gushing about how much fun we had. McKenna Grace is steals every scene she's in. She's phenomenal. Um, and if you didn't get a chance to see it, because I know while it did well at the box office, you know it was a the- theatrical only thing. Which is when why it I comes out, it. I think next month on Blu-ray and digital, you gotta see it. It's so good. It is so freaking good, and it's—I don't want to even talk that much about it because I don't want to spoil anything or ruin any jokes. But it—it it just hits every every note. <laughs> I look forward to seeing it at some point, um, but uh, unfortunately, that is not going to be until it's out on you know digital and streaming and stuff like that. Um, moving on to the next Mori. The at least the pandemic brought something good award goes to Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway. And I'm not going to talk. That's a ton- what you went with that what award. <laughs> Look, man, uh, it was better than the it was better than the other title I had for it. Um, I, I think the Drew needs an excuse to talk about Gundam Award is perfectly fine. So here's the deal with Hathaway. <laughs> so Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway is uh, the first of a trilogy that that has been announced. Um, it was announced a few years back, but uh, prior to release, it was pushed back a full year, much like a lot of other movies. But mm. because this movie is animation, what can you do with another year on top of your production schedule? You can improve every aspect of the animation. They redrew scenes. They added detail to scenes. They took their time and Instead of getting a theatrical release in in America, which it probably would have gotten a Fathom event or something like that, it just dropped immediately on Netflix, giving it giving it access to or giving access to hundreds of millions of people in this country to be able to see this movie that, quite frankly, if you've never seen any other Gundam, may not make a lot of sense. Well, uh... well, they did the smart thing and released the Gundam trilogy as well as Shars Counterattack. So that you could watch all of those and then watch Hathaway's Flash and, you know, get most of the context that you need. I, I agree with that. I will tell you, based on what I have seen on the Gundam subreddit, the number of people who watched Hathaway first and have no idea what's going on. Pretty high. But anyway, the movie. Yeah, I, I don't take any subreddits seriously. <laughs> yeah, the, the movie, the movie is gorgeously animated gorgeously animated it is the 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 music is is incredible the framing and the action is just 
I I am blown away by this movie. It it is only part one of three parts, and the second part is still at least two years away, which sucks. But it's animation, and it takes time. We're used to this. Remember, Gundam Unicorn took like five years to come out, seven years to come out, something like that. But uh, uh, it it is it and just honestly, really, it's it's just the the fact that there was a brand new Gundam project of a high quality on netflix day one in yes is just thank you thank yeah you. i mean it, my only complaint is it definitely feels like part one of something but that's not really that big of a i mean knowing going in what it was you know taking a novel and making a trilogy out of it i'm i'm okay with that like yeah, I, it's really well done it's really 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 good and it, it kind of, I don't want to say uh, redeems a character, but it certainly brings a character into light in a much better way than in Char's counterattack. Well, yeah, that, that's a that is a conversation for another day for old Hathaway there. But uh, I, I, I love it so much. I need to watch it again because I was just blown away the first time and I need to really get into it and 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 dig down deep um so that's where i'm gonna leave uh hathaway uh another one miles uh i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and just jump in i'm gonna add one to the list here um all right <laughs> so this 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 award is another uh uh another both cinematic and straight to streaming it's that kong 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 award goes to godzilla versus kong you didn't go with the let them fight award no, no, I should have though. I just I wanted the <laughs> I wanted the 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 early two thousand song reference, but you know it's oh, fine. Boy. It's oh, boy. fine. Godzilla oh, versus boy. Kong is an extremely fun movie. It is an extremely absolute blast. It is an extremely dumb movie, but it is very Absolute. fun. <laughs> Look, so yes, so here's the thing: is this movie. And and like the last one, honestly, both I've heard I've read a lot of like derisive criticism about King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong. First of all, at this point in time, it is very unlikely you are going to make anything close to 1954's Gojira in terms of the 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 somber storytelling, the uh, socio-political commentary, and the, frankly, next-level ingenuity that went into making that first film. Now, there have been Godzilla films that have said something or that have been serious, but for the most part, and this is someone who is um, technically surrounded by a lot of Godzilla stuff, it's just... Having the kind of classic Showa era science fiction, like amazing stories type of of tale is really what I want out of a Godzilla Th- this film. This is 100 percent a Showa movie. It's got non, yes. it's got nonsense, hollow earth stuff. Oh, it's got, yes. It, it's it, yeah, it's got hollow earth stuff. It's got uh, the the little uh, wormhole tunnels and all this silly stuff that. I absolutely love. I don't care that it's complete gobbledygook. It's a blast. It's a great ride. And I get to watch, you know, two iconic monsters fight. 
And in a movie called Godzilla <laughs> versus Kong, I'm not looking for the artist. I'm not looking for, <laughs> you know, life is beautiful. I'm looking for, you know, Saturday night specials. No, I'm looking for no, life is AW rampage. Life is beautiful because you're watching two giant monsters fight. Right. And this movie does something. I think I mentioned this. We did do uh, a a episode on this. It did something that I have been asking for for almost my entire life. And it's that I wanted some of these monster brawls to basically feel like wrestling matches. And the fight between Godzilla and Kong in, I think it's Metropolitan Tokyo. I uh, know it's Hong Kong. It's, oh, is it Hong Kong? I couldn't remember. Uh, it feels like a wrestling match. Like, I mean, people, I mean, one of them's jumping off a building with a axe in his hand, and one of them's just like, you know, just getting a little locked. It's great. It's a great movie that, it's, yeah, it's popcorn. Like, if you like roller coasters, you're going to like this movie. <laughs> oh, Miles, we're already above an hour. We have so many awards to get through. Do we? We got a couple more. <laughs> we do. Uh, what, what do you want to tackle next? Um, I would like to tackle next the Hollow Notes presents Rich Girl Award. The Hollow Notes presents Rich Girl Award goes to F. Take two. The Hall and Oats presents Rich Girl Award. God, Hawkeye wins it. Hawkeye wins. Hawkeye wins. <laughs> it's a Hawkeye um, one. It, it specifically goes to uh, Haley Steinfeld. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> Haley Steinfeld. Uh, just, I mean, an actress that I have I have loved for a while and have been loving seeing her get these cool roles. I mean, she she was in uh, Edge of Seventeen, which she was tremendous in. Uh, basically, in, in my eyes, made the only good Transformers movie in Bumblebee, and she's Spider Gwen in Spider Verse. She's also uh, Dickinson on Dickinson on Apple TV. Plus yes, she is. Yeah, she's she's had a lot of home runs recently. But when she was when they announced that she was cast as Kate Bishop, I I did one of those, you know, air fist pumps, because if I was trying to think of an actress who uh, was the right age and every the right everything for Kate Bishop, she she was absolutely it. And she just knocks it out of the park uh, I, I mean she's I, I have heard toe to toe I've heard some criticism of this show in the early episodes uh, but the about you know ignore it pacing and things like that what I will say though is that as someone who has read a lot of Kate Bishop comics <laughs> yeah Haley Steinfeld nails the character of Kate Bishop she, she walks off the page and, and, and if you love that character you're not going to have the issues with with the first couple of, of episodes of the show and it's, it's and it's, she holds her own with some really established actors and actresses and never feels like the weakest link at all like she's it was exactly what I wanted to be because I wanted the Hawkeye show to be about Kate yes you and mean you is. want the Hawkeye show to be about Hawkeye? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, 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 next, I want the Hawkeye show to be about Hawkeye and Yelena. But also, that's also true. Um, I will say though that this the Hawkeye show, honestly, I feel a little different about Jeremy Renner's 
Clint Barton at the end of this show. I feel a little better about him. I have not been the biggest Jeremy Renner Hawkeye fan. Oh, you mean because someone actually <laughs> wrote Hawkeye as a character? <laughs> well, yeah, because because it's it's one the Hawkeye in the movies is not the Hawkeye in at least the mainstream Marvel comics. He's I think yeah. he's based off Ultimate Hawkeye. Um, is, is his yeah. primary basis. But, Which um, is why he doesn't have much of a personality for most of the movies. Ooh, but um, I mean, also, I don't really care for Jeremy Renner that much either. Yeah, but I mean, I kind of say in, in this show, both things came together. And as far as a, a, a good curtain call on the Clinton Barton character. Perfect. Yeah. Give me season two. Give me season two. Because uh, it was dope. I really loved it. Um, moving on. Uh, you want to stay in the MCU miles? How about this one? The jet ski variant award goes to Loki. Another Disney plus Marvel series, uh, that we could do a whole episode about the entire show. Um, I loved this. This is my favorite. As much as I love, uh, uh, Haley Steinfeld as Hawk as, as Hawkeye. <laughs> well, yeah, as Hawkeye. Um, I, uh, the Loki show is the, most interesting, most visually compelling, uh, ticks off all the boxes for me specifically, uh, as far as the, the style of the show, the style of the, the, the time variance authority, which is very much based in this sort of sixties, fifties, brutalist architecture style. Uh, I've, I very much love this show. I think it is the best thing that Disney plus has put out in the, in the Marvel universe and uh bring on season two loved everything about this show yes um there's a lot of things about loki that i absolutely loved i kind of want to rewatch it all at once to see i i in retrospect some things i think could have landed a little bit better um it definitely felt like it honestly felt like a Doctor Who miniseries. Yeah, I mean, Loki Who. <laughs> I think I've heard people call it that. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. The the the, the um, was it TVA? Yeah. The uh, everything about the TVA in its aesthetic and representation, just yes, yeah, specifically for me as well. That's a, a very niche thing that I don't get enough of. And like, it really I, ticks some boxes for me. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hundred percent honest. Part of it is in no small part to the fact that the TVA is the Marriott grand marquee hotel in downtown Atlanta, where dragon con takes place. I've literally, you get, you get, you get really tickled about them using Atlanta buildings. But, but so it's, it, there's two facets to this. So, in in like the, like it's not just the Atlanta building it's the inside it's the elevators and if you've ever been to Dragon Con you know the Marriott elevators the Marriott elevators make a huge play in in this show and it's it's fantastic it's amazing there is a scene where you can literally see the carpet on the floor that is literally the carpet in a portion of the marriott it's not the marriott carpet if people know what i'm talking about but it's it's the newer marriott carpet but anyway the other side of that is that there is a a scene where there is uh people playing in a little string quartet in the background on a train and uh 
I know the cellist that was playing in <laughs> the alien cellist that's playing in that. And I know that person because of Dragon Con. It's all circles around, Miles. It all circles around. <laughs> well, like I said, uh, Loki was, I mean, <laughs> all, the, all the MCU shows this year kind of knocked it out of the park. WandaVision was great. Captain, uh, or <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier was really fun. Uh, Hawkeye, excellent. The, the actually the only thing that I could have done without was a uh, what if, uh, even though it seems like it actually is going to have some ramifications on yeah. the MCU. I need to finish what if uh, before uh, Doctor Strange two comes out. Uh, read into that. I, uh, I I only think one one part of it is going to factor into it, um, but that's neither here or there. But yeah, the the the, the streaming stuff it's been really good. I mean. We have been getting a lot of great stuff and going into 2022, we are going to be getting a lot more great stuff. And it's making these Mori things a little bit more difficult because a a lot of the stuff on regular television, I also like, I haven't talked about some of the regular shows I watched, like the, the, I can't believe it finally happened award going to Keenan Thompson for his sitcom. Keenan sitcom has, Keenan has his own sitcom now and it's great. It's really fun. And you know, it's (laughs) how about, how about ever like the guy who's been making me laugh for literally my entire life, my entire life. Yeah. (laughs) Like he should just have, he should just have a lifetime achievement award. Maury. (laughs) I mean, I, I've, I, I, he's in I've the always Hall of loved Fame. He's in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, he could he could stop doing SNL whenever he wants. But I don't know that he wants to stop because he I don't know. I don't know. He just he keeps doing stuff and he's good at everything that he does. I I, I, I love that dude. And honestly, Keenan is a very, very fun show. I mean, it's not going to change the world, but it's a very fun sitcom. And. Yeah, I, I just I think that the TV landscape is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger each year. And it's hard to keep up sometimes, which is why we do stuff like this. So we can kind of condense it all, which yeah, I well, guess we should go to the last TV award. Well, well or not on. the last one. Cause I've you got, have one more. I've got a couple yeah. of TV awards because I want to mention a few things because you're talking about regular TV shows. I want to mention, uh, I've got two, two Maury's, uh, that are, uh, well, one that I have I've I have only recently really spoken to you about um, the the B-roll masterclass award goes to how to with John Wilson, uh, how to with John Wilson is in its second season. Now, its first season came out last year. Um, this show is. Incredible, and you're going to watch the first five minutes of the first episode on HBO, and you're going to say really drew incredible and that there's going to be a moment where it clicks and you're going to realize what's happening and it is just it, it's a masterclass in editing in storytelling and in just categorical b-roll footage because you have a guy in john wilson who is a storyteller and a documentary filmmaker, but he is also a guy that compulsively records almost every waking moment of his life. 
<laughs> so when I say that, not only does he record every waking moment of his life, he's got he finds these just off kilter things that happen in the city of New York City that you wonder how he happened, not only how he happened to be there to catch that thing, but how he happened to be there to catch that thing over and over and over again. And how all of that ties into the narrative that, that he's telling in these episodes. It's, it is, this show is brilliant, like categorically, unequivocally brilliant. And I, I don't say that lightly. People need to watch this show. It, you're, people, you're going to see the first episode. And you're going to be like, I don't know. Really? Is it brilliant? Just, you, you, it's, it's so good. It's so amazing. And, uh, I, and I, I hesitate to say more because uh, I, 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 because mostly because so much of it is visual. And it's 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 visual moments that happen along these with these storytelling moments that I, I I'm just gonna zip my lips on that because uh, Miles you haven't watched this show yet despite my protestations yeah watch the show man watch it it's incredible absolutely incredible um, another show that is absolutely incredible and the the Maury Award winner for the honestly. More people need to check this show out award goes to HBO Max's Hacks, um, which, Miles, have you seen Hacks at all? I have not. Hacks is a, a short series on HBO Max. It stars uh, Hannah Einbinder, who's a stand up comedian uh, who is, uh, plays uh, plays the, the main character of Ava, who she is a television writer who is uh, who gets canceled. She's 25 years old. She gets canceled because of a bad tweet that she sends. And as she struggles to find work, her agent pairs her up with a. A, a, a Vegas longtime Vegas sort of comedian uh, played Deborah Vance, played by the incredible Gene Smart. Uh, and it is the two of them. Uh, <laughs> the two of them just mixing like oil and vinegar and, 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 and how they get through that as, as the two of the, as, as Ava is hired to write material for, for Gene Smart's character. It's just, it is, it's something special. It's amazing. Uh, and I can't wait for season two of that. It's on HBO max. It's called hacks. Uh, more people need to see it. You'll blow through it. Um, anyway, that is the end of, of, those two things uh i'm gonna throw a little i gotta throw a little shout out um miles this this one this one could be the drew just wants to talk about a thing award uh the last the, the second to last award we've got is the hit me baby one more time award goes to star trek lower deck season two which continues to be absolutely incredible did things that no one anticipated no one expected except for that one thing that I called out in a tweet that happened to be right like a year before it happened. And I was so happy about it. Um, Lower Decks continues to be just tremendous, tremendous this season. Uh, it was a birthday yeah. present to me. Uh, came, the first episode came out on my birthday. I talked about it over and over again. I would not shut up about it much to Miles chagrin. It's, it's uh, true. He wouldn't. I would not. I continued to say it. 
Uh, and uh, I love Star Trek Lower Decks. I'm literally wearing a Lower Decks t-shirt right now. Yes. Uh, I I, <clears throat> I love that show. I wish we could interview uh, all the entire cast and crew. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I truly, I really and truly love this show. I think it has the potential to be one of the best Star Trek shows in a weird way. Yeah, and which is wild to say for the comedy it, no, it, it animated say, series. I, I deeply care, and this is what any good sitcom does. I deeply care about all of the characters. Even even characters that I didn't think I cared about, when something happened to them, I'm like, oh, man. Uh, especially with the, with the way the finale ended, I'm like, oh, I, I care about this. Yeah. And it's just it's it's great Star Trek. It's great comedy and marrying those two things. I, and I, look, it is a wonderful time to be a Star Trek fan. There is something for everybody, no matter what flavor you're into. And there's more coming out. And I mean, the franchise has not been this alive in a very, very long time. Uh, and it's with, with with Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek uh, Prodigy both airing an episode no both both of them airing an episode in the same week oh yeah 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 that is the first time that has happened since uh ds9 and voyager were on the air at the same time Hmm. which is pre-year 2000 (laughs) well and I, i know that uh we've got uh, the second half of both seasons of Prodigy Discovery coming up, and then we have Picard. Hopefully, uh, Strange New Worlds. Uh, New Strange Worlds? New Worlds is definitely Strange New Worlds season one is wrapped. It is going to come out this year. I think they awesome. I feel like they've probably released that that, but it's going to be post Picard because uh, Picard's next on the docket after Discovery. Right. So yeah, uh, next- Paramount Plus likes to have at least one Star Trek show airing at one time. So, yeah, their, their goal is to have at, at and that, that's kind of coming true this year. Their goal is to always have one new Star Trek show. It seems to be one of the biggest boosters for Paramount Plus is having a Star Trek show. Not surprising because what else does it have? But anyway. Oh, it's got stuff. I mean, it's got plenty of stuff. And so I think I think next year it's going to have uh, so Lower Decks season three, uh, second half of Prodigy second half of season four of discovery uh picard season two and uh strange new world so that's that's five five, five star trek, trek shows. shows five trek shows in 2022 will air it's a lot of trek shows it's the most that have ever aired in a single year that's for sure oh absolutely i mean this is yeah this is we're, we're getting into you know brand new territory and i love it because i i genuinely enjoy every single one of them not not all of them are home runs for me every single time but i still very much like them um i am very curious to see where all of them head and yeah i i couldn't be more more happy as a star trek fan and yes lower decks continues to be just a diamond in the rough it's it's so good the standout of the bunch could would never have clocked that would never have clocked lower decks being my favorite star trek since <laughs> since but uh I, I i mean that's true but the funniest character for me is still jet reno from star trek discovery because yeah got 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 it gotta give the Gitaro. love yeah 
yeah, Tate Nataro is just is so good and is a character that I could see somehow winding up on lower decks or at least voicing a character in lower decks because she's just a delight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that said, um, we have one Mori left. Uh, This one's going to be a little interesting because this is a relatively new thing that we're giving uh, an award to. Um, I don't know, Miles, do we want to spoiler tag this and go out on the spoilers or do we want to uh, we want to keep it keep it fresh? I would keep it fresh. This is only week two. A lot of people haven't had the chance to see it. A lot of people aren't going to see it in theaters. Uh, There are people on our discord who said they're they're likely just going to wait for it to come home. And navigating spoilers for this movie is rough. So I, I, I don't want to do any spoilers. All right. Well, that let's let's just have at it. The the three is better than one award goes to Spider-Man. No way home. The third of the trilogy. And the movie that that doesn't work by itself really requires knowledge of the previous two movies, as well as the villains. If you've watched any of the trailers of two of the previous Spider-Men. This movie yes. is tremendous. Yes, uh, it was one that I was already looking forward to. I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I love Zendaya as MJ, uh, who I think is probably the best of the leading ladies for for a Spider-Man film. Uh, I think yeah, she- I'd, I'd give that. Yeah. She's got the most agency. She's also just the most alive. I mean, I thought Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy was was pretty good. Um, the less said about Mary Jane Watson uh, with Kirsten Dunst, the better. Um, oh. Yeah, oh, hey. I just I, I, I never cared for her even then. Uh, nothing against Dunst specifically, but I just I I think it's just a very very boring take on the character. Not entirely her fault either, but. But yeah, uh, this movie does everything that I want a comic book movie to do. And yes, it is a hefty two and a half hours. And you don't feel yes, it, though. It, you don't feel it. I, no, I you didn't don't. Feel I've, it. I've seen it twice in theaters, and it it no, the way this movie's paced, it just clips on. And I honestly, when, while. I was coming up on the end of the film. I was like, man, I don't feel like I've been in this movie that long. Like, I, I was literally, I checked my watch in the movie, not to, not to say, Oh, how much longer is this? But to see, Oh man, it's only been 30 minutes. Right. I still have half an hour of this left. Yes. Well, I also, I want to see it one, because uh, I, my, my wonderful, wonderful girlfriend, Krista told me that even though she was working, I could go ahead and see it because she knew how badly I wanted to see it. And so she didn't get to see it until a week later, which on in retrospect, I liked that I got the chance to wait a week before I saw it again and not just have that recency bias and, you know, let's sink in a little bit and, and see how I feel. And this is legitimately, it doesn't matter that I had to watch other stuff. It's one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it, it's 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 so so fantastic, and I, I will tell you, um, I will I will say the best comic book movie of all time is Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, 
this movie gets up there. I don't think it quite hits Spider-Verse levels for me personally, but in this I mean, movie, the best movie of all time is the Punisher starring Dolph Lundgren. Let's let's be honest. Oh, well, I I didn't count that because. Um, because uh, <laughs> you were trying to find a barb there. I was trying you? to find a joke, but I couldn't get I couldn't get to it. I couldn't get to it. If it dies, it dies. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, when it comes to Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm going to be. I'm going to say two things about this movie with no context. Mm-hmm. One. Did I cry? Yes, yes. I did. Yes, I, yes did. I did. Yes. Did I laugh? Yeah, oh yes, yeah. I did. Yes, I did. Were there literal cheers in the audience in this movie? 100% yes, yes there were. Both both screens I went to and I loved seeing it with an audience who clearly hadn't been spoiled the, the second time. I mean, people were delighted by what happened in this movie. And it, and it, I think watching this with a with a, a crowd it's a little bit different than just MCU stuff, because Spider-Man's a character that has meant something to people for a very, very long time. It's not just recently MCU stuff. And so for this movie to do all the things that it does and do it so well, it's everyone just got so excited to just love Spider-Man. And this movie is an absolute love letter to Spider-Man. It nails so many things that it's hard to encapsulate them all. I cannot wait for this movie to reach digital streaming and purchasable, whatever, just so that people can go scene by scene and pick up all the stuff in the background that I didn't notice in my viewing. Oh, yeah, there, there, there is likely a entire book's worth of stuff to be picked it's out. All, it's already happened in, in some major mm-hmm. scenes that, that I didn't know that I didn't notice that I didn't clock. And it's like, ah, oh, I loved this movie. I, Tom Holland is fantastic. I cannot wait to see what he does next in the Spider-Man franchise specifically. this it was it was it was tremendous and maybe we'll do a spoiler cast just because i want to (laughs) like i just kind of want to talk about this movie for for two hours uh because this is also one of those things where i know people have seen it but it's the first movie that's that's broken a billion dollars since the pandemic began but even still i know so many people that have avoided seeing it because of the pandemic that i wonder if the pandemic wasn't around how much money would this movie have made? Oh, I mean, it probably would, wouldn't have been the only billion dollar movie since 2019. Sure. For sure. But would this but, movie have yeah, been this $2 movie, billion? This, movie, <laughs> like, this it, movie, I think, would have been in contention to overtake both Avatar and Endgame. This, um, this, this personally. This, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 94% reviewer score and 90, 98% audience score. Uh, Sony and Marvel are going to be putting it up for they're going to they're starting an Oscar campaign for best picture for this movie I don't think it'll win unfortunately I I just have no investment in that I love the Oscars and the pageantry but like some people feel it really need the validation of a nomination for these movies and I I don't Um, that's Uh, just me 
yeah i i i think i definitely think there's some character performances that might deserve a nomination in this movie but you know it's it's there's that's all i'm i'm really willing to say without spoiling the bejesus out of this thing uh that is it that spider-man no way home our final mori of 2021 there is actually one more one mori and yeah and this is the tin award this goes to drew burris for 10 years of the more you nerd and i know i'm right there behind him but we celebrated our apparently 10 is 10 in terms of anniversaries that's a little so, yeah it is a little <laughs> bit i think i've seen aluminum in the other places but tim was too great um and so I did want to bring a little focus on closing out the 10th year of The Moya Nerd. Because it's wild that this has been going on for a decade. I mean, I've been doing this for, what, eight and a half, nine and a half years? Something so, like that. yeah, I'm, I'm right there earlier, behind you. You joined, uh, uh, you and Patrick joined earlier than I I, I think I remembered you joining. I feel like, my, I, I always felt like Mike and I did the show for like, four years before anybody else joined in i feel like it was like 18 months <laughs> it yeah it was, it, it was 18 time. months because it was like episode like 80 or something um <laughs> so yeah it's it, it, it's funny that way but um i love doing this show i love doing this show with you and too, it's man. it remains to be a lot of fun every single year and you know we've scaled back and we've we've done something different since we have gone on our our little sabbatical from 2019 uh i don't know how the year that everyone decided to stay indoors was the year that we thought it would be great to come back um <laughs> you know because we were we were off air for about eight months but everybody started I'm, a podcast have, in 2020 <laughs> we just brought that, one that, back that, that's also true uh <laughs> but i i have the absolute best time doing this and so here's to 10 more and i Hope you have a very happy new year, Drew. And to everyone at home, happy new year. Yes. So with that said, gang, next week. Oh, I can't believe we still have more Cowboy Bebop to talk about. (laughs) We have one final Cowboy Bebop episode that we are going to be covering next week, covering the final three episodes of, of Cowboy Bebop, which, man. What a long, strange trip it's been. Uh, After that, well, the sky's the limit. We will see you in 2021, everybody. In the meantime, 2022. Gosh. Uh, Time time has no meaning. Uh, (laughs) We've seen you. We will still see you in 2021 because this episode's coming out tomorrow. Uh, 2022 and beyond. Well. We'll see. Uh, but in the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreunerd.com, which has this episode and all of the past 10 years of episodes. You can tweet to us at themoreunerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreunerd. And you can email us themoreunerd at gmail.com. That's themoreunerd at gmail.com. And until next time, gang, we end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd. Out. Out.